a Pulp MX Network production. The only athlete-to-athlete podcast in the sport. Questions from a different perspective. The hard questions you want answered about training, riding, and being a professional athlete. Not only in motocross, but in other sports realms as well. Welcome to Shifting Gears, the Zach Osborne Podcast. I'm Zach Osborne, host of the Husqvarna Shifting Gears podcast, as well as rider for Rockstar Energy Husqvarna Factory Racing. I love my race bike, but it's not the only model I love from Husqvarna Motorcycles. They offer a whole range of off-road and street motorcycles. When you don't want to have to load up just to go for a ride, a dual-sport motorcycle is the perfect way to get your fix. Explore the trail beyond with the FE250, which delivers a more intuitive riding experience. And right now, Husqvarna Motorcycles is offering as low as 0% financing on select dual sport models head to your local authorized Husqvarna motorcycles dealer and learn more yeah what's up guys i'm zach osborne host of the Husqvarna motorcycle shifting gears podcast presented by skosh and fly thanks for tuning in uh today i had the opportunity to sit down with jeremy martin talk to him a little bit about his injury and um about the start of his career i learned some things that i, I never really knew and uh it was great to see jay mart he was in good spirits seems super determined you know you'll hear in the interview when he talks about his comeback and um just kind of what he's learned through this back injury how determined he sounds and uh how invigorated he sounds to come back um he was a great guest and uh, a, a really fun time um to, to interview so i hope you guys enjoy it thank you for your continued support of my podcast and uh thanks to those who make it possible um i appreciate it enjoy the episode what's up guys this is the husqvarna usa shifting gears podcast uh, i'm zach osborne the host and i have jeremy martin today we're here at his home track millville um jeremy how are you dude yeah we're just doing the deal we're here at spring creek um i call it millville and yeah excited to watch the racing tomorrow and um yeah there's something special like i was just saying about this place like when i come here uh i live 30 minutes away now in rochester but uh when i come here to my parents property it's like all the memories where i grew up alex and i riding together and uh on the PW, and he smashed the wall in the garage, trying, <laughs> trying to see how, show everyone how fast he was, and yeah, just the memories. For sure. I mean, you you've grown up here the majority of your life, your whole life, right? Yeah, pretty pretty much my whole life. I mean, obviously, it's it's we get it's kind of crazy. Like we get the extremes. It's extremely cold. Yeah. Uh, and, and then it's extremely hot. Or right now, extremely hot. Extremely hot. Yeah. So um, in the winter, we go south. So like when I was 16, Alex and I would load up and, dude, we were, we'd get some cash. And my dad would say, here you go. This is your budget. And, and we just did it. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I, I like Millville as a track. Uh, I was just asking you before we started it if you loved this place. And obviously, like you just said, with the memories and everything that, that you have here. Um, what about the track? Do you love the track? Do you, is this your your spot? Yeah, I, I I love I love it. You know, I mean, I, this is where I learned how to ride, and this is what we. Um, I get home from school, and you know, we we get dropped off at the end of the driveway, and we'd have to run a good bit. I was always the last one to make it to the house because I was so fat. <laughs> I'm with you there. Um, I was a fat kid also. Grab some junk food, and then, dude, we we get geared up, and we'd hop on the bikes, and we go ride. When did you start riding? really young obviously yeah i started when i was like four yeah. yeah and then alex was riding also at the, that time yeah he was riding and yeah he was he was like leagues above me better than me and it was kind of funny like and i just looked up to him and i didn't care about dirt bikes like i was just like dude i just want to be like big al yeah for sure just wanted to be in your brother's yeah. shadow or whatever yeah and then like my um we'd have like this deal so we have club members and then every, here at millville you have club members yep okay. and they get to uh, they race for free and then they just camp everything for free and then um, we used to do this thing on Wednesdays we do a ride day so my dad all his friends would come out and like dad was back then it was the Can-Am <laughs> <laughs> that was a minute ago then. yeah so we just all get together on Wednesdays everyone would come down and we'd ride and uh, that's kind of how it all started and 
and it just went from there. That's really, really, really cool. Um, I know your dad comes from like a, an enduro background. Um, I think he was an ISC gold medalist a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, and you guys have some trails here, right? Yeah, we have some trails in the woods, and I he was fast. I mean, for he had probably the tallest bike, I think, in the paddock <laughs> back then, but he was the shortest guy. Yeah. So, and he got it done. Um, does that interest you at all, Enduro? I do like it. Yeah. Um, I know you guys have a couple of hair scrambles here every year, right? Yep. I remember Alex racing a couple um, back when we used to live together uh, in the Club MX days. Oh, yeah. Uh, he would come and race an enduro here and there, hair scramble or whatever. Yep. I've done a couple. Um, I've hit definitely my fair share of trees. I've gone <laughs> down a time or two, but... Um, yeah, my dad always steered us more towards the track, honestly. But we did like the woods, and we have we have quite a few trails here. Um, and then now I kind of just, when I'm here, I mountain bike them. Oh, okay. Yeah. But that's, you know, you kind of your new thing, right, is, is cycling and, yep. and training and um, being in shape. But uh, obviously now you're coming from a, a massive injury and um, a big surgery, a big infection, you know, kind of worst-case scenario for for how things were we were just talking about you know the that you were maybe going to win the championship last year and it was a huge blow to your psyche to to lose it and not only to lose it but now to be in a a tough situation and um still kind of overcoming it a year and a couple months later and still some some recovery on the horizon yeah it's been it's been one heck of a journey you know from with this whole injury deal you know it's um definitely an injury that most riders when they think of they're like yeah that's that's the one we want to avoid yeah and unfortunately it happened and then we know the risk that's involved and um but you know i've learned a lot with being with with this injury and being hurt and uh i was actually sitting there and i was in the recovery and this dude came in he was my roommate and i was like man what happened to you and he's like dude i was just sitting in my house watching tv and i got car came through no way came through the house and cleaned him out and he got badly hurt no way yeah yeah. so it can happen anywhere so i was like man it can happen anywhere that was a lesson kind of made me smile a little bit not like in a in a bad way but you know right it kind of gave you a little bit of perspective on what you had going on yeah um how how is the injury and like how far away from being back to 100 percent or you know whatever new normal is yeah so we're we're about uh i'm about a month away from a little under a month from riding get seeing the doctor getting released um and then i I'm probably just going to suit up and ride a little bit for fun, yeah. but just take it really easy because um, I still have some therapy stuff I need to do yet before I, I'm strong. Yeah. Um, you know, you're. This is really. I'm at. I'm at rock bottom. You know, I'm. I'm building up from fitness wise. You know, fitness wise. Yeah. <laughs> fitness wise, yeah. rock bottom, and it's. Um, so you just got to be. You got to be smart with this. This one. I'm sure it'll come back quick. You know, you're a strong, healthy young dude and and i'm sure you'll you'll come right around um what are you still at the point of counting down the days or now it's just like it's it's one of those deals where you've come to grips with it and it's just when it happens it happens and you'll be okay when that when that's the day yeah it's uh, i i was shoot man i mean the first I, time you had to be like counting down the days. i was counting down the days the first time yeah and I and I made it six months, and then they're like, "Dude, we got to do. You had to redo the whole thing." Yeah. And I was like, "That was a slam to the gut, like that. That did not sit well for a bit." Yeah. And then um, at that point, it's just like, "Dude, like, unfortunately, this thing this thing happened, but it's life. You know, that's the beauty of life. Is like, you never know. You never know what's going to happen. You can plan as much as you want. You can be as prepared as you want. But there's always something. The uncertainty of life. Yeah. You know, and that's what I think the beauty of life." is is that no matter how much you plan you may never be able to dictate exactly what's going to happen so that for me i've learned a lot and i've i've done dirt bikes my whole life and it's all i know i mean i grew up with the track in the backyard and everybody was at the house every other weekend we'd have five to eight hundred riders every weekend dude it's insane riding and hanging out and it's your thing it's what it's what you know yeah it's not who you are but it's kind of what you do yeah so this is the first year of my life and um i haven't been to many races but i've done it for a reason i've i've been at the track my whole life and i i wanted to force myself to take a break and i know that 
Um, I'm 26, and my career is going to end one day. Not now, but I'm going to have to find that next step in life because, yeah. dude, we like to win. <laughs> We're motivated, and like I'm either all in or I'm all out. So once dirt bikes is over, I got to find something to go 100% into and yeah. do it. I uh, I'm obviously a little bit older, <laughs> um, and I you know that day's you know somewhere down the road and, and it scares me a little bit like yeah. what it'll be like to not have that mm, carrot or nugget you know that you're <laughs> always chasing there's something that you're always chasing and, and that's just I mean it's been my life like you said since I was five or six years old chasing chasing that same little carrot yeah uh, I was super impressed by your team Geico to sign you to a new two-year deal after a rough year with an injury and um, then obviously missing this entire year. That was a huge move by them, I think, that showed a lot of faith in you and, and a lot of, um, how should I say it, a lot of just faith in who you are, what you are as a rider and who you are as a person for them to step up like that. I, I don't know that I've ever seen that out of another team ever. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I was really, really fortunate to come across the Geico team. Um, unfortunately, at the end of 2016 was my last year with Star Racing, and uh, I was, I was winning races and I'd won two championships. But um, it might have looked good from the outside looking in, but I was, to be quite honest, I was, I was miserable. Like I was not happy. I dreaded going to the races and and just being a part of of that atmosphere um if i'm being 100 percent honest and then i needed a change yeah and geico came along and um I, my first year was 2017 with them and um like i was immediately blown away just the atmosphere and like it was it was like a family you know and, and we all work really hard and there's a lot of pressure on us to perform um, and sometimes, dude, you work, you give it everything you got, and it, and you, you just don't have it. And, you know, we just, and they believed in me, and then I was starting to win again with them. And then, unfortunately, the back deal happened. And then they're like, dude, you know what? Like, we support you. We stand, we stand by you 100%, and um, we think you can win again, and we're going to do a long-term deal. People don't understand, or I'll, I mean, people may understand, but I feel like they definitely underestimate how hard it is to find that niche group of people that not only you're super comfortable with, but that support you. And then for them to support you at that level, I feel like is just a huge, um, almost accomplishment to find that in your career. Yeah. It's it's so tough and so. Uh, remote almost like it's it's just so hard to find that and it it's a good feeling when you do find it but it's tough yeah for sure i mean like i'd been professional for a while and um honestly like with the whole injury and everything like that um you're away from the sport and you kind of find out who's your friend and who's around and stuff and i can honestly say that yes i do work with him as a business but I could call him as a friend. Right. And, and that's a pretty cool feeling to call to call Jeff, my boss, and Ziggy and be able to do that. That's pretty unbelievable. Yeah, they're, they're very um, down-to-earth, not-so-corporate uh, people, if you will. They're just like... You know, they're just like us. Yeah. They they put their pants on the same way every day, and they're not afraid to pick up the phone and call you. Or you yep. know, they're just genuine good people. Yeah. Uh, so I did read on the online the other day that you'd gotten a job, and uh, I was in. I had a job, a little bit in a different situation. I, I really needed a job, not <laughs> not just uh, for for time killing sake. But how's that been like? Have you learned anything? Have you? enjoyed having a job has it been a chore or you like it yeah so uh i had just been sitting for a while like i was in the house and for about six months i'd say like the goal was originally i'd get up and I, i'm a morning person and i go to bed early so i get up and i'd rip a coffee or two and then i sit there and like uh i remember i was just watching tour to france when i finally got out of the hospital yeah and i was like cranked but then i just fall asleep on the couch and then i just sit there um and i finally at six months comes by and i'm like dude i need to go do something so i hit up my buddy and i'm like hey can you um 
can I can I work for you? <laughs> he had to be like this. Is and at the time, my mechanic, practice bike mechanic, Kyle, went to work for him too because I'm like, hey, but I don't got any work for you. Yeah. Like, so we both ended up working there, <laughs> and he's just like, okay, well, how much you want? And I'm like, pay me ten bucks an hour. <laughs> and uh, I worked in, I did uh, Amazon shipping, okay. inventory and shipping work, and then I would uh, scrub the toilets. Wow. And I would vacuum. Um, and that's when I really realized, like, man, dude, like, before I'd wake up every day for, and everything was for the benefit of Jeremy Martin. Yeah. Just like right now, everything's for the benefit of Zach Osborne. Yeah. You know, and everything's dictated around him, and it's a team to make you the best that you can be. Right. And then I'm working for my buddy, and I was grateful, but I'm like, I'm the low guy at the totem pole, starting over. And it was really cool, but I realized, I'm like, dude, I'm really bad at a lot of stuff, <laughs> at real-world stuff. Yeah. Um, so it was grind, and I'd work from, I'd come in, I'd punch in at, like, uh, 9 in the morning, and then um, I'd leave at, like, 2 or 3, because my back would just get tired, so right. I'd have to go home. But, yeah, that's, that was my life for three months. So you enjoyed it, or you learned a little bit? Or? I did enjoy it. It was just weird for me, because... Like, the guys would, uh, you know, they like to drink and, and have fun and stuff. So it was different for me because, like, I don't really drink. I stay away from that stuff. But these guys just show up and they would put in their time and do the work and, and laugh and stuff. And, and I would work and I'd eventually run out of things to do. And I was just, like, sitting there and I'm, like, tweaking out. Like, I got to do something. Yeah. So you'd clean toilet. <laughs> yeah, I'd clean the toilet or I'd just vacuum, adjust the rug or... Um, make sure that all the price tags, all the product that would come in, like fly gear, um, Troy Designs, Scott Goggles, all that stuff, 100%. I'd come in, I'd look up the part number in the catalogs or, like, on the computer, and then I'd get the price tagging gun out, and I'd tag everything. <laughs> I, I grew up, um, my parents owned a motorcycle shop, so I can totally relate to all that, but they, you, the shop you worked at sold stuff on Amazon, you said? So they, yeah, they. I guess I, uh, from what I understand, it they pay to have a membership with Amazon, and then some of the products are then listed up. Oh, okay. And then they're so like, you can order like a whatever part on Amazon through the shop. Yep. Okay. Uh, yep. Or you don't go on Amazon or whatever, and then you click to buy that part. Okay. Well, they were like the middleman. Okay. So it would come in, the product would be ordered, and then I would come in and I open it up, and I make sure everything was in the box. Right. And then we get the label out, and then I'd make a box. And, dude, I'm not going to deny it, man. I was so bad at making boxes <laughs> for the first couple of days. And I was like, they are making fun of me in the shop. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Um, so with that, you know, obviously there's always a little bit of perspective, just like the thing you said in the hospital with the uh, – with the guy getting hit by the car sitting <laughs> in his living room, um, you know, did what? What kind of perspective did you take from that? You know, do, do you obviously you're not the type to not appreciate, but do you appreciate your job, your real job more? Or yeah, you know, yeah, is there anything that you took from it like that? Yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, I think initially when you have a big injury, you have you have your moments where you're angry, you have your moments where you get like down, um, and. The appreciation I got just to be able to walk, to, to be healthy, to be able to just get outside and and just, like, go hang out with your friends and your family and, yeah. and live an active lifestyle. Hop on your bicycle. Go for a run. Go ride your dirt bike. I was like, dude, we're lucky. Yeah. And then there was times where it got rough. And then I, I remember with the infection, I had to, I broke out really bad. And... I had to go get a different antibiotic, and I remember I went into where there there was the cancer 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 patients <laughs> cancer patients, and I was like, man, like I saw this lady, and like she looked right at me, and she was just like looked right through my soul, yeah. And I was like, dude, you have a broken back, and it's gnarly, yeah. But you aren't you aren't by be way worse. You're not battling cancer, right? Like this lady's like, dude, they're putting chemicals in her body and it's like killing her you know yeah. and i was like dude you're you're all right <laughs> yeah it's gonna be okay yeah um you said something earlier that that struck me a little bit was um talking about alex and you being in his shadow a little bit um as an amateur alex was a good amateur but he also was not like tip top of the of the totem pole um when when was it that you were like all right i'm gonna i'm gonna make something of this and i'm gonna 
put it all in. Yeah, so how it how I was probably all in at 16. But I got homeschooled when I was in 7th grade. And Alex might have been in 10th. So he was in the B class, but I never like I didn't I only got homeschooled be, a lot of people don't know it was because they felt bad taking just one brother out. So and you guys also have a twin sister. Yeah. Or you, or you do, not I Alex. do. Yep. And she, you know, I always say she's a smart one. She went off to school, <laughs> got a real education, you know, and, and she's she's doing well for herself, and I'm really proud of her, and she's living the normal life. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so Alex and I, we started out, and I got all those old bikes. Um, <laughs> I would run his old gear, and I remember, like, we would always ride together, and he hopped on my bike, and he would laugh because we worked on our bikes back then. Yeah. And I was a, I'm a hack mechanic. Like, I'd at least blow a bike up once a year because I'd forget to tighten the drain bolt <laughs> for the oil. So it was rough. But, yeah, like, my parents, I overheard a conversation one night, and they were just saying, yeah, you know, like, we got to take them both out because if we take the one out of school, then, you know, it looks bad because I wanted to be like Alex. I just right. wanted to be, you know, I wanted to race, and I didn't. He did the amateur national, so I wanted to do it. Right. And that's how it all started. And then he kind of was getting in the A class, and I was getting on the super mini, and I was like, dude, you know, this is it. Like, this is what I want to do. And, and it, it just it just clicked. I started training. Nah, no trainers, nothing. Yeah. And I just, I'd ride seven days a week. And I, I think, like, my dad had this big steel rod, like, in the shop. And it was full of 85 pistons. Because <laughs> I just roached out. Yeah, and I'd blow one up once a week. Just done. Yeah, I'd, I'd burn almost five gallons of gas, like, every day. Yeah. And I just I just went crazy. All riding here at Millville? Just riding here by myself. And that, that would have been, like, the time Alex just was kind of starting in the pro class? Yeah, he was just starting into the pro class. And he was kind of on the tie loop deal. And he was kind of traveling and doing his own thing. So we talked, but it wasn't like we were hanging out that much. Right. Um, so at what point um, you got a, a ride with Suzuki at one point, right? Yeah, so 2009 I got a ride with Suzuki. Okay. Um, that was extreme? Suzuki, no, it no. was the remember when Cole Grass was okay. there? And then he ended up getting fired. Right, okay. So he, he gave me four bikes and he says, Hey, we're gonna help you out and then he got let go. And then um I rode that whole year under Suzuki still and then I did I went to the B class the next year and then that's when I rode for Extreme. Because okay. Landon Courier got hurt. Okay. And I was a fill in. And that was actually Bobby Hewitt's team. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. And he uh, was like, hey, we, w- we want a fill-in guy. And he, and would you, but we're going to keep your bikes after this, this spring nationals. And we're like, no way. We're not going to do that. Like, we got these bikes from Suzuki. You can keep us on for the rest of the year. And then I went out and killed it, and they kept me on. And that was that? And, yeah, and that was that. So... At that point, that was when it kind of like all turned around as far as you getting a ride and being one of the guys in the amateur classes and yeah. really making it happen. Yeah, I started like just winning, um, which kind of caught me by surprise too, you know, because I mean those guys, there were some good guys I thought, you know, and and then um, I started just yeah training with Alex. He was racing professional, so I always I always felt like I did more training, more volume. Because like I would train with Alex, and he was racing the pro stuff. So a lot of the guys would do. I was doing 30, 40 minute motos with Alex, getting ready for Loretta's. You know, back in the B class. Yeah, and, when everyone else is doing twenties, dinking around with other amateur riders. Yeah, riding with your brother. That's a a good pro. Yeah, and I always remember like we'd always smack talk, and he was like, <laughs> you know, it's gnarly. And I said, dude, I'm gonna come in, and I'm gonna I'm gonna kill it. You know, and he's like, dude, it's different. It's different. And then I won't ever forget my making my pro debut, 2012 at Unadilla. I dislocated my shoulder two weeks before Loretta's, Miss Loretta's, showed up and raced Unadilla, and I was like, dude, he's right. <laughs> <laughs> and that was also on a Suzuki, right? And then Star. Oh, that was Star. Yeah. So what happened was I was with Extreme Suzuki in 2010. Okay. In 2011, and then Suzuki was done. Like they were closing up. Right. Shop. 
and I had no ride. And I'd won, like, I think 10 championships that year. And that was the most I'd ever won in my amateur career in one season. And they're like, what are you going to... My dad's like, dude, you just had the best year of your life. Like, you need even need to think about quitting. He goes, because I can't afford to uh, keep Alex going and you going at the right. pro level. So um, I was like, Dad, I can't just quit. And then Yamaha called me last minute. And they're like, do you want to race Minios? And we'll give you a ride. And I signed with Yamaha. I still had no contract from Bobby Reagan. And... Yeah, I had to basically win to get a contract with Bobby. So it was that almost that close to just being over, really. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. I, I didn't know that to be honest. I, um, obviously, I lived with Alex a little bit at that sort of about that time, and um, you had come down and ridden a couple times and whatnot. But I didn't know that it was that close to like, yeah, you almost not making it really. Yeah, I remember like legitimately, I was tearing up that night in the kitchen. My dad's like, dude, I think, you know, you need to just come to work for me. Like, you need to be done because I can't afford it. Yeah. And he goes, what more can you do? Like, yeah. you just won. And I was just like, dude, I can't. And then last minute they called and they shipped us bikes. The ground was frozen. And I raced Minios with stock suspension for Yamaha and stock engines. Nice. And, and smoked it. And met Bobby for the first time. Bobby Reagan. Bobby Reagan. <laughs> hey, boy. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's pretty killer, dude. I had no clue that um, there was that, like, little struggle period there. You know, I thought that after the deal with Bobby Hewitt on the Suzuki team that it was all pretty pretty paved for you, but obviously not. No. No, unfortunately, I, Bobby, I think, wanted to do something. Um, and then I actually, he just didn't have, I think the amateur team closed up shop and right. he just didn't have the budget for it Yeah, because um, he had the pro team going too I think then yeah I'm pretty sure he did yeah. and I think that they were Suzuki as well um, maybe transitioning yeah I'm pretty sure they and were I had an opportunity like when I had the contract with Star when I first got the first one Bobby did throw me in an offer um, but I felt like with being with star kind of coming at me at that 11th hour not star but yamaha yeah i was like man i owe it to to stay yeah and i and that's why i signed with star fair enough that's that's pretty pretty commendable so after that you know obviously the success was pretty quick and pretty heavy you 13 was pretty solid 14 you were number 19 right yeah which would have been the lowest number earned that that season i i think um except maybe 17 so you know as a rookie that's a pretty big deal to have a season good enough to where you can be the lowest number out there yeah yeah so uh 2013 i mean supercross rookie year terrible <laughs> dude i was so terrified of whoops sack like i remember i i was training down at carmichael's and the first time i pull up to carmichael's it was like i'm living in my parents motorhome uh, my dad was my mechanic because I couldn't work on stuff very good. Uh, <laughs> that's, not a, that's not a good combination for Ricky, Supercross. I work pulling in. Ricky's on his quad, a Suzuki quad, and he pulls a wheelie, and his pants fall down, and his white ass crack is hanging out. <laughs> and then he, like, turns around after he lets the front end down and goes like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so and I was, was like, your, like, welcome. Yeah, welcome to the Carmichael farm. <laughs> and I was like, holy crap, and... Big Rick was there and um, started working with Jeannie. And I was absolutely terrified of Supercross. Um, and it took a lot of work to even... De- I didn't even qualify for the first round. I remember something about that. Um, I got. I was third fastest in practice, but I was just terrified of like... Even from like a young age, I never really liked jumping, to be honest. Yeah. Like, I love to turn, I love to go fast, but I didn't like jumping. And I had to, like, force myself to be uncomfortable and, like, do jumps. And that's kind of like what Supercross was. Yeah, that was, like, overcoming a huge hurdle for you all while learning basically a new discipline to the sport. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. So, obviously, there were some woes there with the first Supercross, but the outdoors, you crushed it. Yeah, crushed it outdoors and... um, you know that I'm not going to deny it. I mean, I think it's no secret, but I got really lucky. Like, I think I was, I'd almost won a couple races in 13 on that old carburetor bike. Yeah. 
So I knew I was pretty good outdoors, but then I didn't really realize in 14 when we went and got that new bike just how good it was. Yeah. Um, and I got the chassis handling really good, and, dude, I was blown away. Like, I almost got fired um, in 2014. Bobby Ragan was like, he was ready to shoot me because I, I didn't qualify, I think, for the first two rounds. First two supercrosses? Yeah. Oh, man. And, like, Bobby was like, boy, like, I remember I was, like, rolling the whoops, and I was bad in the whoops. He's like, if you don't come through those whoops, fourth gear wide open, I don't even want to see you back here at this truck. <laughs> you don't even deserve a spot on this team. <laughs> like, it was bad. I've heard some funny stuff that Bobby said, but that's pretty ugly. Yeah, he's like, dude, you don't even deserve it. I should I should put this. There was a, uh, was a Plessinger or someone was there. This boy is better than you. He should be out there right now. Like... <laughs> Yeah, and then I came out outdoors, and I had my back against the wall, and I was like, dude, you got to do something, or, like, your career is over. Yeah. And I started winning. It's crazy. That's uh, that's how it happens, though, you know, I, especially I feel like I perform better when my back's against the wall or there's um, some major hurdle in front of me. I think that some people just thrive in those situations, and you seem to be one of those guys. I mean, obviously, the story you told a minute ago with almost – you know, hanging up the boots at one point, and then not a good Supercross season to to win an outdoor straight away in your second full season as a pro. That's a pretty big deal. And like guidance, guidance is a huge thing um, in those moments. Is there anybody like that really kind of helped you through that stuff um, in the early parts of your career? Or oh, for sure. Like I mean, I learned when I first got on the big bike. I was out of control. I would crash all the time. Yeah. Like, you know what it was like making oh, that transition. For sure. I remember the first time. I'm lucky because I was still in the 125 era, so it was like almost a little bit of a buffer. But I can't imagine going from a Super Mini to a 250F that's decent in power. You know, it's a huge difference. Yeah. So the first time I got on the big bike, I was riding here at Millville. I swapped out through the whoops. <laughs> Get the bike up, go back to the chop, straighten stuff out, went back out, ate shit in the whoops. <laughs> I'm like, I'm done. So I was out of control. I just didn't know how to ride it. I went down a lot. And then uh, Dylan, uh, he's a fellow Minnesota guy, and he helped me out a lot. He'd worked with Kyle Regal um, quite a bit, and he just was, he, he, he'd worked uh, with Naveen um, down there at Honda Houston. Right. He was a mechanic, and he spent a lot of time with Regals, and Mark Pellegrino was Kyle's dad. And I learned a lot from being around them, just work ethic, um, just the proper technique on how to ride a dirt bike, uh, being smooth, carrying speed and stuff. And Dylan really helped me out a lot. What we did was he was no longer working with Kyle, and I said, dude, I don't have any money to give you much at all, but will you help me out? I said, I'll provide a place for you. You can sleep on my couch. And I gave him 20 bucks a day. That's what I gave him. That's crazy. And then, uh, yeah, we went out and we won a bunch of amateur races together. And then we turned, we turned pro together. And then uh, he helped me out a lot. Like, Star, Star was, like, pretty much had given up on me. Yeah. I, like, I had nobody other than Dylan. And then, uh, yeah, we just, our backs were against the wall, and we just worked and worked and worked. And Fly Racing believes that our highest obligation is to provide the best products to riders worldwide. With the Formula Helmet, Fly Racing set out with one simple goal, deliver the most technologically advanced, highest-performing motocross and off-road helmet the world has ever seen. Five years of development later, that dream has been realized. Check out formula.flyracing.com to learn more. That's yeah. somebody that believes in you. If they'll sleep on your couch and take $20 a day. Yeah, so he, he really helped me out a lot. That's awesome. I, I know Dylan personally, and I, I've always given Dylan crap for being at the starting line and stuff when we've raced before just because I knew what an advantage sort of Dylan was for you, if you, if you will. You know, I know how much you rely on, rely on him, and um, I have people in my camp that are like that that i don't you know that couldn't be down there so i'm like hey you know that's why i've always kind of <laughs> me and dylan have had some yeah oh, i know <laughs> dylan get out of here don't yeah. down here yeah you know, it's always in good fun but that's why you know more than anything is because i know how much those people that you know believe in you and you believe in can really help you in those moments when you're nervous or you know winning a title 
to me, there's so many factors that go into it, especially picking a gate or, um, you know, just like those last little things that someone says to you can make a huge difference. And, and I know he's good for you, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, you know what it's like when, when you're an amateur, like you got your parents and then you have like, who, who helped you? My mechanic at the okay, time. Your yeah. mechanic, you know, and it's just you guys. But like when you turn pro, everybody's got an opinion. Yep. Everybody's got to say, but who was there? At those dark times, right. in that grind with you, and for me that was Dylan. Yeah, and for you it was sounded like it might have been your mechanic yeah. at the time, and yeah, that's just how we we bonded and and we've had our times where we were good together, but then <laughs> things kind of happen, um, and that's a whole nother story yeah. <laughs> um, from a business standpoint. But uh, yeah, I think. There's a lot that goes on at the at the pro level. There's a lot of people that have a lot of things to say, but when you have that one person there, right? The la- that person that you know, the the information sticky, you know, good yeah. good information from. That's that's it's crucial and key and in, into having success, in my opinion. Yep. So, moving forward, you know, obviously with your back injury and and just kind of the the amount of riding that you've missed and and the fitness that you've missed how how long do you expect it to take or how do you feel about moving forward oh dude i'm beyond excited for the future i think um yeah i've missed a year but at the same time i've been professional for six years i'm a hard worker yeah and i mean i see all you guys i watch every saturday tune in 250450 practices everything I'm all jazz I, I mean I love it you know um, but yeah I think I can come back and I can win next year yeah. I, I truly truly believe that um, and I and and I think the cool thing is is a lot of people say no way but I've done it before I know what it takes and with the right people it's more than doable yeah. and the guy cool guys they're really good they stuck behind my behind me and they've had my back so um i look at is dude this has been one heck of an injury but what if how good would the story be oh it's a, you it's come a back for sure you win and not to mention my back's against the wall it's do or die yeah you know i mean i've i've had a great career so far but it's uh it's time right i learned a lot with being hurt and being stepped away um i can't hang up the boots Unless you know you've given it everything you got. For sure. You're a smaller guy in stature, and obviously with the two-year deal with Geico moving forward, do you have any ambitions for the 450 class eventually? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, love- obviously you're good on it. You had s- some success at Daytona the one year and, and here and there, but that's your goal? Yeah, I'd love to. So the goal is get through 2021 with uh, Geico and then go 450. Nice, nice. Yep. And you'd like to stay honda obviously that's if i choice. yeah i'd love to stay geico honda yeah that'd be sweet yeah that that'd be pretty yeah. cool to for them to ride it out with you now and and you ride it out you know or, or ride for them the rest of your career or whatever yeah just they they'd have um i'd be loyal to them for yeah. sure um and i know the bike i know the chassis i know the team i know how to make it work um they know how to work with me so that's a big advantage because when you go to the 450 class, as you know, um, the bike's bigger. Um, it's faster. Right. So it affects how the bike handles. And then you have to, like, from turning early or in the whoops, trying to figure out how to make that thing handle through right. whoops and bumps. And so having those guys that when you come off the track and you're like, hey, it's doing this, they're like, okay, I've been there. Right. You know, they can and they, translate what yeah. you're saying. And, and that's huge. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I was talking about earlier is just finding that group of guys that really you can communicate with and that you can relate to and they can relate to you. It, it's such a hard thing, but it's it's so awesome when you do find it. It's it's, it's unreal. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me your favorite troll story. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, my favorite troll story. Oh, okay, I got one. So, 
we were definitely young. It was pretty late in the evening and on a summer day here at Millville. And I was playing baseball with him. I'm like, dude, check me. I'm cranking him. So check this out. We're out in front of the house. He's like, and I hit one. And I hit it, like, not bad for me. I was just a fat little kid just trying to, <laughs> just swinging at it, giving it all I had. I honestly and, don't remember you as a fat little kid. Like, I, I don't know why. Maybe you're just younger than me. But when you say fat little kid, like, knowing who you are now and how fit you are, it's it just so funny. Yeah, dude, I was big. Like, my mom would, like, there's this guy come up from Illinois or whatever and he was into OMA races woodwork stuff and he'd like bring us candy all the time <laughs> and then he's like dude like my mom's like dude you can't you can't give this him any more candy <laughs> <laughs> but uh, going back to the story yeah Alex grabs the bat and he's like dude this is how you swing throws the ball up and then he's like he pushed me back but I didn't expect him to swing and when he came he swung through hit the ball and when he came back it came and smashed me in the forehead. No way. Just this mat. I immediately laid out on my back, crying. And oh. I had this massive, like, just massive lump on my forehead, goose egg, walking around school. It didn't bust open. <laughs> no. Dude, I saw one of those. I was at school, and the same thing. Kid hit the kid on the, <laughs> on the backswing and just split his head wide open. That's crazy. <laughs> What's it like racing your brother? I, I'm, a, I'm an only child, uh, no siblings. What's it like? You know, what, what, what would a, a last turn move on Troll look like? If it was a last turn move and... and, and for, a, for a win. Oh, I'd do it. Or a championship. Championship? I'd clean them. <laughs> Fair enough. I'd I mean, rough them up for sure, even for even for a, a win, you know? But I, I got to say, it's the coolest thing out there. Like, racing Alex, because... First off, he wants to beat me. I want to beat him. Yeah. But we're not gonna we're not gonna be dirty to each other, right? So it'd be like it's the utmost respect you have for one another, but we race each other like to the T. Yeah. So it's a really really cool feeling. That's awesome. I remember um, was it 16, 15 your second championship or sixteen. 15. 15. 15. Um, when you won the title at Bud's Creek, I remember Troll stopping there. He was on Rock River that year. I think that was the fir- the first year he was on Rock River, and it wasn't that good of a moto, but he stopped to get, you know, congratulate you and give you a hug for, you know, winning the title. And, and I just thought that that was, like, a super cool moment that he could kind of check his ego at the door after a bad moto and, and you know, celebrate with you or... or you know even be proud for his little brother yeah for sure i mean it's a really unique story between alex and i because when we were young he got the attention he got the bikes i just got old stuff yeah and then you know he was he was had a girlfriend at the time and he was pretty focused on racing but he was also spending a lot of time with the girlfriend and i just trained i just rode dirt bikes and got better and got better slowly and then all of a sudden i get the ride and Alex never had the ride. And then all of a sudden, dude, I'm winning. Yeah. I'm winning championships, like, right like that. And I didn't expect it. And then Alex was, like, slowly getting better. Um, and to be able to be supportive, to be able to be humble, and to and to not um, just not let the success that I had affect our relationship. Yeah. Dude, that's pretty big. It is massive. I, I It's commendable. I mean... Like I said when a minute ago, he it, it was so cool to see him be able to kind of check his ego at the door and be like, hey, you know what? This is a kid I've spent my whole life with. I should be proud for him and of him right now, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, there's times he does get the best of me, and I'm so damn proud of him. <laughs> like, it's the story that you and Alex have, I have a lot of respect for. Just the grind. It didn't happen right away. Yeah. And, like, that's rad. Like, that's cool. The per- to be able to persevere... And just keep keep driving for that goal. Yeah. Because there's a lot of times when people were like, hey, no. Like, I, I, I don't know. And you guys kept leaving. Yeah. And that's what's cool. Thank you. I appreciate that. Do you think that there's any point of your uh, success that, that um, parlayed into Alex's success? You know, like, it motivated him at, at a different point. where, Like, it motivated you when you were a kid. It motivated him as he got older. Yeah, for sure. 
I think we both feed off each other. And I brought him in to uh, 2000 and at the end of 2014, and he he really came out of his shell in 15. Yeah, and we just we just trained. I mean, I, I'm very ah uh, I'm. I'm genetically gifted. Yeah. Like, I got some tests done and some VO2 max test stuff done when I was with Osho. Yeah, I've and, heard. And it was... <laughs> really it, good. It was really good. Yeah. Like, I mean, I could I could run... I mean, yeah, I can run really fast. So I'm very, very good that way, you know? And, and dude, we just pushed each other. Yeah. It's like you down there at the Baker's factory. Right. Um, now you're... Uh, well, before your injury, you were working with Eli and Johnny and... And living in Colorado, how's that? You you enjoying that program and everything that goes on there? Yeah. So I I mean I've been a lot of places, Carmichael Farm, Claremont, Florida, at the Moto Sandbox where my brother is now, and I really like it at the Tomax. I, I stay in the guest house where you stayed. Yeah. And I see that I think you've even seen like the little plugins in the walls oh. for like the baby. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably my fault. Yeah. And I like I couldn't help but just laugh a little bit. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Zach was here, you know. It's but, a little slice of heaven that farm. It's, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. So I really like it. It reminds me of kind of living here. Yeah. You're very uh, like uh, secluded. Secluded. You're away, you're away from people. Um, we all have. We're, we at Eli wants to win. Like, I want to win, and we just train. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Skosh, accessories for life. Listen, guys, their slogan sums it up. They are accessories for your life. I use the Magic Mount vent clip every day, boom bottle all the time, go bat when we're traveling. Whatever it may be, the functionality and durability of these products is second to none. That's why myself and Rockstar and Jay Husqvarna Factory Racing choose Skosh, accessories for life. Check them out at Skosh, S-C-O-S-C-H-E dot com. Uh, you enjoy the Colorado lifestyle? I do. The full deal. Yeah. I'm not much of a fisherman, and they like to fish. Yeah. But I'll still get out there and hack it up. And I was just about to ask you uh, when we're done with this, but since you brought it up, I'm about to take my little girl fishing in Spring Creek here. Where's the spot? I don't know the spot. It used to be at the beach. The beach? And then there used to be a really dark uh, hole over here by the micro track. Okay. But I think with the floods, it always changes. Oh, okay. And I think it might be gone. Okay. But it used to be like landmines. I mean, uh, or gold mines, sorry. Gold mine. Gold mine. Nice. Yeah. All right, Jeremy. Well, thank you so much, dude. I, I've thoroughly enjoyed this. Seriously, it's uh, it's been pretty enlightening for me. I, I Like I said, I didn't know that there was that point where... It was almost over for you. That's uh, that's pretty inspiring, and um, I know that you know things like that, experiences like that, will make you better in the end, and and maybe gives you some perspective for now. Like that, there's no reason to ever give up on yourself or you know anything that you really truly believe in. Um, it's been yeah, like I said, really really cool to talk to you, and yeah. I feel like we haven't heard anything about you. And, quite some time so it's really cool to you know give some people some info and some updates yeah i really appreciate this i haven't had this this is like a, a really cool unique experience i mean we do the media stuff yeah but this is like one-on-one athlete to athlete and i really respect you and i really appreciate this Thank and you. it's it's cool to we've competed you beat me <laughs> i beat you yeah. but um as we get older i think to be able to to talk and and share these experiences, this is ultimately like a part of life and what it's all about. For sure, hundred percent, I agree with you on that. I, I've enjoyed it, and you know, like I said, we've been fierce competitors at times, and um, you've won, I've won, that we've done it all, and, and it's really cool. That's that's kind of what inspired me to do this podcast is just to have a little bit of a different look at at the way you know things are asked or stories are told and and uh yeah i appreciate you recognizing that yeah 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 um all right i got 10 uh 10 fun questions for you uh to end the podcast um what's the most important uh excuse me most important object that you've purchased my dog your dog all right um guilty pleasure food ice cream ice cream or, or dark chocolate. Really? Yeah. Dark chocolate guy? Oh, uh, I do. Like okay. the Justin's peanut butter cups? Or really? Oof. I've never tried those. I like like 80% just bars, mm-hmm. but I've never tried the Justin's peanut butter cups. They're good? Yeah, like when I'm training, I mow down. That's I got a little good. stash of dark chocolate. Okay. Yeah. Uh, morning person or night? Morning. Biggest pet peeve? Uh, 
I like it when someone is is clean. Clean? Yeah. Being clean. Um, weirdest quirk. It's the weirdest thing you do. Oh. Got any good superstitions or anything? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I'm on the line, you guys have probably seen it, but I get all nervous. I got, like, this twitch. Like, I got to go like this. I've seen that. Have you seen that? Yeah. Yeah, like, I don't know. I've done it since I was little. Like, I feel like I get, like, my lips. Are you licking your gloves or what? I'm not licking the gloves, but I feel like my lips are, like... I don't know. It's like I get this nervous tick. Okay. It's that, just it's just a weird jitter. He has that. I yeah. have a, a way I put my gear on um, each time up, up to my knee braces. After that, it's okay. Yeah. So I go right sock, left sock, right knee brace sock, left knee brace sock, right knee brace, <laughs> right knee brace. And then after that, I'm good. It's cool. Um, any other talent or skill you could have, what would it be? Ah... I'd like to be a good swimmer. Swimmer? So I could be a... I want to do a triathlon. Okay. Um, travel back in time to any event. 2018 Muddy Creek, baby. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair Think you're the worst at? Whew. I'm pretty bad at a lot of things. I, I can't deny that, but... Uh, Being I? on time. Um, I'm good there. I'm trying neat. to think here. You just said your your biggest pet peeve is being clean, so you're probably neat. Uh, I'm really bad at sitting down and and uh, focusing on, on on studying. Okay. Yeah, I guess like if it, you had to, if I had to, stu- yeah, like go to school. Yeah, like I was bad. Okay. Thing you're the best at other than your job. Ah. <laughs> uh, I'd say running. Running? Yeah. And what's your favorite music genre? I listen to everything. Everything? I get get after some country music. Country music? Yeah. Quote? Quote to live by? Oof. Um, I don't really... I have some quotes that I stick to a little bit. Um, uh, was it... Uh, not coming to mind right now, Zach. It's not right. coming to mind. Dude, thank you so much for doing this. Um, as always, every guest goes home with a Scotch gift bag. Scotch is a company that makes uh, phone gadgets and products, headphones, speakers, all kinds of cool stuff. So you get to go home with some of that. And um, yeah, thanks for doing this. And I've enjoyed it. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Here's the quote. Okay. When you want to succeed as bad as you want to breathe, then you'll be successful. I love it. I've seriously watched that video probably... 800 times cover to cover. Like, it's good. It's amazing. All right. Thanks, dude. Yep.